Molly Basquette is the pastor of First Congregational Church in Berkeley, just over the hills. She is wise and wickedly funny, and she has been around the block a few times, more than a few times. In her new book called How to Begin When Your World is Ending, she declares right at the outset that there are very few emergencies in life. This grabbed my attention. It stirred my curiosity. What do you mean there's very little that is an emergency? Peeking at the news on any given Tuesday ought to set her straight, right? Does she have her head in the sand? But I love Molly, so I kept reading. She tells of the wilderness time of finding a golf ball-sized tumor in her lung and being diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma when she was my age as a mother to a four- and eight-year-old. She tells the stories of many people she's walked with through the years who found themselves in all kinds of rough spots, on one side of an arrest or the other, trying to figure out their lives after trauma or after an addiction pulled them to rock bottom, or while weathering a supremely unlikely disaster, on and on. All things that most of us would regard as an emergency most of the time. But she plants this question. What if it's not? Molly's wondering was rattling around for me as I read and reread our gospel this week. As I tried to follow Jesus into the wilderness and then even deeper into these probing and alluring questions. The land he's on, probably somewhere between Galilee and Jerusalem, is barren. Little grows there. The hills are steep and rocky, the valleys wide and empty. It can get tremendously hot and cold, both. Water is hard to come by, food even more so, and Jesus is out there alone. In this long stretch of days, we see how very human he is. We hear that he is famished, and my guess is that this aching hunger is not just for food, but for friends, for comfort, for ease. Here in the wilderness, though, deep into this time apart, Jesus is also showing us another way. The worries that the tempter highlights are things that we often encounter as emergencies. First, he goes after the emergency of our hunger or of our our desperate longing, be it for a physical need or something else. It demands our action immediately, right? Then he turns to a more tender place. 
the fear that we will not be caught when we fall, however it is that we tumble down. Does anyone care? Will God intervene? Can we get some reassurance, ideally proof? And could we have it right now, please? Finally, the tempter moves towards the wonderfully human hope for control in our lives, for the power to shape our world around our own needs and design, and to get this quickly and easily. All we have to do is shift our alliances a little bit, contort our convictions to make it begin to line up, Each of these questions, and in each of these questions, the the tempter is inviting Jesus to regard his human vulnerability as an emergency, as something that needs his swift action and intense response. The tempter is suggesting that Jesus should do whatever he can to get rid of the feelings of hunger, of worry, of being dependent. But Jesus refuses to take the bait. This gospel comes to us as such a brief story. I have to wonder about the shape of the encounter. How many beats pass between the tempter's question and when Jesus answers? Does he look around surveying the stones that he could turn into loaves of bread? Does he wait long enough to listen to his stomach rumble? Now, days and days since his last real meal. Maybe. And maybe he takes long enough to respond that first he can breathe. I imagine Jesus sitting there in the wilderness, alone and yet joined by such challenge, facing these searing questions. I imagine him inhaling through his nose, pausing, and then letting it slowly out through his lips. Maybe he does this several times. Maybe he breathes enough to fill his lungs all the way down into his belly, clearing his head, opening himself up to all the options at hand. And only then does he respond. He shows us that one of these options is refusing to let the tempter twist the situation into an emergency. Instead, Jesus decides to turn back towards God. He does not choose the easy way or necessarily the satisfying way or the way that seems certain. He chooses the way of trust. He moves towards trusting love, trusting that God is with us, even when we're hungry and hurting and scared. When Molly says that few situations are really emergencies, she doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. 
or that they don't demand our careful and intense and wholehearted response. She means that most of the time, there is room for at least a moment between the very bad thing and what we do next. There's time, she says, for her to change out of her pajamas and to brush her hair before she races to be with someone at the hospital. There's time to take a breath after hearing something that no one wants to hear before offering words back into the phone. There is time to consider what our child most needs in the midst of a day that has gone entirely sideways. It's okay to have enormous feelings. We can guess that Jesus has these enormous feelings, overwhelming feelings there in the wilderness. And there's almost always room to take a breath. Molly is suggesting that something happens in that moment between the question and the response, between the arrival of what we could deem an emergency and then the action that we take. Again and again, the desire comes to wrest control into our own hands, to handle the mess all by ourselves, on our timeline, in our way. And maybe this is a sinister invitation, and maybe it's just really human. And beginning Lent with this story, as we do every year, it seems, it seems to point to this other possibility, one trained more on the Holy One. The gospel reminds us of this way of taking a beat, taking a breath, before setting out in, in one direction or another. Molly points out for us that the root of emergency after all, is emerge. If we can pause just long enough to take a breath, to look to our left and to our right and see that God is close at hand, to wait just long enough to notice that there might be some wiggle room, even when crisis surrounds us, that's when we can begin to emerge. There's a little bit of space to choose one way forward or another. We can take the beat and emerge more fully as ourselves, more able to respond. Emerge more whole, even as our hearts may be breaking still by what is unfolding around us. In that pause comes just enough space to turn towards God, no matter what comes next. <laughs>